I've got a special message for you today. I don't know what you feel like, but to me, at this time, the Holy Spirit speaks so practically, so prophetically, and all of a sudden things get a meaning that I've not seen before like that. So we are living in a very prophetic time. And let me read a word to you from Ephesians 1, 3 to 12. And I believe the Lord will bless you. And actually, this is actually quite um, solid meat, okay? Let me take you into this word of God right now. And it will embed something in our spirits and plant something. I believe it will minister to you. So Ephesians uh, 1, 3 to 12. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. In the heavenly realms in Christ. So say, wherever you are, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing, not just a little, but with every spiritual blessing. For he chose us in him, say, in him. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his son through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So I'd really love to read all of these verses, but you can do it at home, right down to verse 12. And now, if you think especially of the verses 3 to 14, and then go into the Greek original text, you see that there are no, uh, no um, full stops or any other markings. And if you, it's a really long, long, long sentence full of superlatives, riches, and grace. And the first sentence is, is like a summary. He's blessed with every spiritual blessing. And then there is one term that says in him, in Christ Jesus. So that seems to be one of the most important terms here. And just these few verses, you find it nine times in Christ. Or if you look at the letter of Ephesians, you find it 27 times. Or in all the letters in the New Testament, this term is used 130 times in Christ. So actually, this is something really special. And so we need to look very carefully. And the Word of God says that we have all riches of wisdom and glory in Christ. So there are treasures here that we've not found today. Treasures of revelation, of wisdom and knowledge. And the question is, how is it possible? What does it mean to be in Christ Jesus, in Him? So I believe that God actually is teaching us a lesson at this time, what it means to be in something. Well, of course, in our homes, in our houses, our apartments, very practically. So you are closely confined with someone, maybe your spouse, maybe your family. If you're living together with people, you get to know them really well. You get up early in the morning, you see them. You, when you go to bed, you see them. You meet someone morning, afternoon and night. You can't hide from them. So now that is the situation. And you can even read it in the newspapers. That crises crop up, that there's problems, you can't hide things anymore. 
And all of a sudden, all the old habits become very visible, and children are, ho are at home, husbands and wives are at home. So you live life together, right? As a family, you live together if you're family. Or maybe people sharing apartments. We have many such shared apartments in our church. Sometimes you have conflicts, problems, and the facades are crumbling, and those things that have not been visible up to now, they become visible all of a sudden. And then, sometimes we have some interesting videos, and then you can see all of a sudden what people are like at home. Others kind of get uh, very run down, just uh, have uh, underwear or, or uh, sweatpants, or someone, if they're in Zoom meetings, maybe they dress up nicely on top. They, even a man of God told me, they said, well, it's nice, Ab above board, everything looks really nice, but whether I wear my slippers uh, below the picture, nobody sees. So it really shows what you really are, and what's truly real and what's not real. And that's the question of identity. So we are learning, what does it mean to be in something? In Jesus, what does that mean? To be in Christ. And what we learn is that this is more than just being close. Because sometimes when we talk to someone, we ask them, you know, has this or that happened? Did you do this or that? And then many times they answer, well, it's a work in process. Well, to be in process, to be close to something, it's not to be in Jesus. And many Christians have the feeling like I'm close, but I'm not in him. And in Jesus actually it means you can be inside, but you can also be outside. And what we need to understand here about this in Jesus, this is about something that's constant, something permanent. So in can have different meanings. It, to go into your holidays, you can't do it right now, but maybe soon, or to go to other cities at least. You say, well, I went to Munich, I was in Munich. So in a city that actually, wherever it is, means it's it's a very short, brief visit, you know. I was inside for a short moment and then I left again. Or if you say I live in a family, that actually has something of permanence. I'm permanently in a permanent state of being in the family. And that's what we talk about when we talk about life in Christ. And then Psalm 91, we know that. Whoever lives under the shadow of the Almighty who remains there. So that's a state of being. I live under his power, under his authority. So where he can work, where something can happen actually. So that's a similar meaning to someone saying, I am in the sun. And while I'm in the sun, things are happening in that area. Or maybe if you're on a mountain somewhere, you are in the wind maybe. So I am exposed to the power of the elements constantly. In Christ, that means that I don't continue living as I used to live before. The Bible says, I live according to a new law. And in order to understand that, we need to know that every human being is under the law of sin and death, as long as they are still separated from God. 
So every human being has a conscience. You and I, we have a conscience. And this conscience uh, is at work, but we can also kill it off. But God actually gave us the conscience to judge what is good and what is evil. And this law of sin and death, every human being has to live under that law. And Jesus went to the cross in order to break this law of sin and death. And the separation between us and the Father, this wall, he tore it down by his salvation. And then Romans 1 verse 2 says, So there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because there is a new law to be in Christ Jesus. The old things no longer work, but this only works in Christ Jesus. So that's not just something that happens, you know, a letter that arrived and you accepted it. This is law is not just there for you and you accept it or not, or just a, a goodie from the Lord. But this law can only work in Christ Jesus, for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then Romans 8 verse 2 says, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life sets me free from the law of sin and death. So that is something that I pray every morning. Thank you, Lord, that because of the law of the Spirit, I am free from the law of sin and death in Christ Jesus. So that's tremendous. What does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? It is much more than that. It even says that in Christ Jesus, we have eternal life even now. Because many people think, Wow, I uh, decide to follow Jesus, so one day I will receive eternal life at some point. No, that's not true. But to be in Christ Jesus, I am already now living in that new place. I have been transferred to the heavens with Jesus. We see that in Ephesians 2. I love th this word, Lord, my friends. This is a word that's been with me. God who is rich in mercy. In his uncurable grace, in his great love that he loved us with, he even made us, that's you and me, the two of us, he made us, and now it's in brackets, when, even when we were dead in our transgressions, separated from God, according, living just according to our ego, we rebelled against God. We were dead in our sins. And so, but after we gave our lives to Jesus, you and me, after we surrendered to him, he made us alive with Christ. It is by grace you've been saved. And then it says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Wow. So it's no longer I that live here, but I am already raised with Christ Jesus. I am already transferred to heavenly places. I have the authority of heaven even now. I do have my position together with the living God, and you do too, in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, to be in Christ means to have a share in everything that is the living Christ. I have a share of that, share of his wisdom, power, love, 
His glory, his riches, I have a share in that. And therefore, I can be full of a revelation every day, every morning. I can just lay hold of what he has prepared in heavens. And that's why in Colossians 2, verse 3, it says that all riches of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. So again, that's in him. And my next point is that we can really tell whether we are in Christ or not. That's not something you might know or not know, and maybe you don't know. You maybe sense your pulse or you don't really feel it. No, that's not true. Jesus told his disciples very clearly, on that day, you will see and know that you are in me and I am in you. So everyone can see that. And we read that in John 14, verse 20 and 21. On that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. So that's the first mark that everyone will know by whether you are in Christ or not. And how do we know that? You see that in the Spirit. You can tell by the Spirit that He's given to you. First John 3, 24. Who keeps His commandment remains in God and in Him, and in this we know that He remains in us. So how do we know that? We know that by the Spirit He gave to us. So that's his mark, life in the river of the Holy Spirit. You are connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. And my friends, the work of the Holy Spirit is not just a little breeze somewhere, but other people can know that and feel that. I don't know whether at some point you ever were on a big ferry or a big boat and went going from one place to the next, but I love being outside on a big ship like that, maybe right at the very front, uh, just somewhere outside, not inside. And when you're out there, you can really know whether this ship is actually moving or not. And why? Because the wind is just blowing in your face. You notice whether it has stopped and there is no wind, or it's it's uh, going and you feel the wind going past you. The same thing is when you ride a bicycle. And even if it's an electrical bicycle, you can tell by the wind rushing past your face whether you have stopped or whether you're actually going places. And so Christians can tell. We can know whether our lives are carried and full of revelation and treasures and wisdom or whether despite all of your efforts you're not moving anywhere you are struggling and you're trying your best maybe you've even got a theological education you know everything but you're not going anywhere you don't feel the work and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life so the first mark is the work of the Holy Spirit and the second mark how you can tell whether you're in Christ and whether you remain in him it's those who keep his commandments and is guided by him so that's the word of God very clear sometimes people come to me and say Jobs, you're always talking about us doing things and whatever please speak more about the love and grace of God well of course we can never hear enough of the grace and love of God but God actually 
always binds his love and grace to something, and that is the obedience and faith. So the second mark in John 15, we read that if you keep my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I keep my father's commandments and remain in his love. So that means God has called us. He has sent us. We don't live for just ourselves. And wherever we are separated from him and where we say, oh, well, yeah, I believe in you, but the word is not really relevant for me and he doesn't really talk to me and I only do what I think is right. And you can't even remember the living God ever leading and guiding you. And maybe you've thrown out his commandments and his word completely. The word of God says about you, hey, you have separated yourself from me because the mark, whether you are in Christ or not, is that you keep my commandments. There is no alternative to be in Christ. My friends, that's not just one offer among many, but there is just no alternative in God. John 15, verses 5 to 7. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And now, if anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burnt. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. What a tremendous, precious promise. And of course it makes sense. You see, if you look at soldiers in an army or in an elite unit, whether you look to Israel or any other nation, if a soldier hasn't learned to follow commands and only acts in his, on his own impulse, he'll not be able to remain part of this army. And you said, well, maybe that's a bit of a violent picture, but you can transfer it to today. Maybe a nurse or a doctor, they will only be able to be successful if they have learned to stick to the rules of the superior doctor and not act by themselves. And those who act on their own impulse, they'll not be able to help. They'll not be able to keep their job. Now the third mark here, how anyone can tell whether they are in Christ or not, is that you know that you're part of the family of God. That's a very special word, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is one of the members. So God has not made us to live our own individual, personal, spiritual lives. But to be in Christ means that we are predestined by God to be part of the family of God. God has adopted you. He has planted you in that family. And now let's look at another word from Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 6. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So that's the word we've read before. For he chose us in him 
before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, or in Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will. You see, when Jesus was living here on the earth, he said one thing. He said, I don't do anything that I don't hear from my Father. So Jesus had such a close connection to the Heavenly Father. He did and sought the will of the Father. He said, the Father and I, we are one. I live for the sake of the Father. And what Jesus is saying here is, this fellowship, as I lived with the Father, this is what I lived as an example to you, so you would be able to live the same way. So you would also be able to have close fellowship to the Father. So you also would be led, taken care of. You would experience the power of the Father, the Holy Spirit. You would experience miracles. So that is life in close fellowship in communion. And life in communion means that everything that the Father has belongs to me. You know, the difference, maybe I hope that this will be very soon, the corona limitations will be lifted and maybe you are invited to visit some friends at home and you visit them in their living room maybe you are thirsty you want to drink something or you would like to have some yogurt you will not do the following you won't just get up open the fridge and get the yogurt for yourself or whatever you need or the drink you won't just go and get it for yourself because you're not part of the family but you come into your own family and what do you do? Maybe with your parents. You go, you open the fridge, you take whatever you need. Why? Because that is just something that's natural. I know how it was with my parents. We always went shopping, so to say. They said, come to us. We went, opened the fridge, and everything that was there, we were able to pack and take home. Why? because I'm part of God's family. I'm part of the family. The Father says, everything that belongs to me also belongs to you. Ephesians 1, 5-6 He predestined us to be his children. Now you are my son. You've become my daughter. And that's the mark. Whether you are his son, his daughter, everything that belongs to me, I've given to you if you are in me. The fourth mark, how everyone can tell whether they are in Christ or not, is that you are chosen. And so that's a word that we kind of don't know that well, but we can read it in Ephesians 1 verse 4. In him he chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So I don't know, maybe you're a good athlete and it, so it has never happened to you. But to me, when I was a teenager and young boy, of course I wanted to play soccer and we were out with many friends. And then we had two teams, one team and the other team. And of course, the best players were chosen first. And those who weren't really good, they had to be in the goal. 
I usually ended up in the goal. So I didn't receive much damage because of it, but we know that. To be chosen, and then you're not chosen. And maybe as a father you know that with your children, or you've been through that yourself. Someone who is not chosen becomes an outsider very quickly. And so once your child becomes an outsider, maybe you can feel the pain in you. And everyone knows that feeling to be overlooked. Overlooked in your job, in relationships, or by friends. And the other way around, the feeling when you're chosen. Chosen because you've did something, you've done something, or many times people passed you by, but now suddenly you're chosen and full of joy, full of appreciation. You're excited. And so many people have their identity by the people who give them the recognition they want. And just think about it. Think about it very briefly. Do you have your identity by those people who keep giving you recognition, who express their appreciation, who've chosen you? Or maybe who didn't? Many are defined by all those situations where you were not chosen, or maybe even rejected where people just overlooked you. And Paul says something to us here. Paul says, you have your own identity because you have been chosen by the living God. You have your own identity. Even before the creation of the world, even before anything else happened, the Lord had already planned you. You know, you are not just an accident that happened at some point, but no matter what your father, mother were like, your relationship to your parents were like, you, even before creation of the world, you have been planned and wanted and chosen by God. And let me speak this into your spirit. You no longer have to be defined by your past, but you are chosen by the Father in heaven from before the creation of the world. And this is what the identity is made up of. Identity is what constitutes the core of a person, what we really are. Identity is what makes you a unique personality. And of course we read by experts, psychologists, what, how identity is created, even from uh, conception or during pregnancy, things that were good or bad, your first experiences in your life, early childhood, your personality is constituted, or the experience of whether you're welcomed in this world or whether you're rejected. All of these things, whether your needs were met or not. But Paul says, you have only found your identity once you found it in Christ because you have been chosen by the living God that is the place of your identity and we know that God speaks about the fact uh, that someone is chosen so many times he speaks about the fact that Israel is chosen the church is chosen but also how he chooses his disciples he says in John 
You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I destined you to go and bring forth fruit, and for your fruit to remain. So you may ask the Father whatever you want in my name, he will give it to you. And now let me tell you a secret. If you are chosen, that's always something that's exclusive. Because to be chosen means you are special. You're not like everybody else. You don't have to drown in the masses, but you are my chosen child. And this is how the Father looks at you. You can be different than everybody else. And the Lord says that to you. Once you've become a child of God, you are different from everybody else, whether you want it or not. You are marked by God's love. The word of God is exclusive. It's one word of God that he speaks. And to be chosen is always the foundation of identity, our personality. But we are experiencing quite different things right now because the spirit of this age is not exclusive but inclusive, wanting to include things. And we see identity that's stolen so many times. The whole question of gender, of yeah, gender, of, of who am I? Am I a man or woman? Of question of sexuality. How do we treat one another? What identity do I actually have? Or maybe also the question of uh, how do we treat religion or our faith? How do we treat being a Christian? And we can read that in the media, everywhere. Everyone has to find their own happiness. Everyone has their own religion. But when we read the Bible, we know our confession of faith is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one can come to the Father but through me. And we read that in the first commandment, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods beside me. So that's very exclusive. And this is the time, my friends, of the restoration of identity in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing that this actually happens when we are locked behind our own four walls, when we are isolated, that we understand what it means to be in Him? And let me ask you a question. Where is your identity? In whom do you have your identity? The Word of God says that this time is also a time of uh, the the driver. That's something we find in the Bible. It's a very old Hebrew word, actually. We know that the yoke of the driver is actually broken. In Zechariah, we see that. And in Isaiah 9, verse 3, it says that we are no longer driven by uh, people, and the violent man will no longer come to Jerusalem. And the Hebrew word actually says, someone who has demands, who wants to push me, someone wants to oppress me. And so many are living at this time, even though they're in their homes, you're locked into your house, and actually you should have time now, but there's something in you that keeps driving you. And you see there's something, a yoke that's upon you, something that demands, something that's never satisfied with you. It wants to push you on. And the Hebrew word, actually, is the one thing that demands and wants to drive you on, but the other side of the word is to be exhausted. And I am 
exhausted by the rod of the driver. And this driver or herder, the one who really wants to push me on, and you don't know what to do and how to do that, it's like a feeling in you. It's an oppressor against you. You you jump up, you do something else, and you should be able to relax because nobody demands anything of you, but there's something in you, something that is driving you, oppressing you. So the oppressor will have authority for as long as you don't have your identity in Jesus. In Christ, in Jesus, the oppressor cannot touch you. In Jesus, you are caught up, you are protected. In Jesus, you are held by his arms of love. Nothing can take you out of his hand, neither heights nor deaths, depths nor powers or authorities. But in Jesus, you, your name is written in the book of life. You are one page. And to me, that was such a good example. And I brought you this book to look at it. Because in Jesus, there are so many other pages. But you are just one page of many. You are protected in that book. And maybe there are storms and tempests and anything else. But nothing will happen to you. But we can also decide to not have our identity in Jesus. We can decide to be outside of the identity with Jesus, not in Him. Here we are protected. Wind and storms may go over us. But if I'm not in Him, if I don't want to be in Him, something happens. And I'm doing something that might be painful to you. But it's like a page that is torn out a page that is torn out of a book. And this page, just if you place it somewhere, and it has to be just a gentle breathe, breeze, and you're blown away, right and left, and you're like a leaf in the wind. You're no longer protected. So that's an old book that I've written so I could do that. It's an old edition. But I wanted to show it to you as an example and picture. The Word of God says in Hosea 14, verse 4, In you the fatherless find grace. In Him. In Jesus. And so let me pray for you. I would like to pray for you. If you sense you are driven backwards and forwards, there is the oppressor in your life, and he is buffeting you back and forth. I would like to pray for you. If you are thinking about this, do I really have my identity in Jesus? I want to give you some good news. Jesus has prepared everything for you. It's really easy. So there are so many wonderful words here. In Jesus, we've been made alive. We've been raised with him. We are his body. Just take a look into the Bible. But at the end of my message here, I would like to tell you, how do I live in Christ Jesus? And in one minute, I'll try to give you the seven points. First point, no, it's no longer I who live, 
but every day I crucify myself. Point number two, I live in Christ Jesus, and that's only possible if I've got a humble and broken spirit. And I test my day, every, every day I test my spirit over again, whether it is broken and humble. It's an open spirit to be willing to be led. Thirdly, I seek constant food in the Word of God to do the Word of God. Fourthly, I live by obedience of faith. Point five, I am marked by the love of God. And I say yes to others actually knowing this mark in me. Point number six, I'm part of the family of God. I'm a living member of a living church. Point number seven, you have your identity in Jesus Christ. And when you experience that, you know, everybody, uh, any other identity is shaken because any other identity is built on sand. But Jesus is the foundation. And what happens, and what I would like to pray for, is that the peace of God that is higher than all understanding, this peace of God is found in Christ Jesus and that it would be in you and you can receive it just now. Are you ready to have such an exchange? And Beshevra has returned to the stage just now and let's continue to worship together. And we want to pray for you personally. It is so good to exchange this. If you say, yeah, I know what it means to be in Christ Jesus. And let me take this time of Corona crisis and use it as God's word to me personally. So I no longer have to live under the rod of the oppressor. I have found my new identity. I don't need to be driven anymore by things that want to buffet me, that want to drive me from one situation to the next. I don't have to be oppressed anymore. This restlessness, restlessness must no longer govern my life. But I want to receive the peace of God. And I would love to pray for you personally. Just stand wherever you are. And maybe you say, Oh, I want to have such a fresh encounter with Jesus. Then you're welcome to place your hand upon your heart. Or maybe you say, I want to have my identity in Jesus. Or maybe you say, Jobs, with the points you mentioned, I would like to really follow each one of those points. I want to put it into practice in my life. Or you say, wow, I really need a touch of the Holy Spirit. Because to be in Him means to flow in the Holy Spirit. So simply place your hand upon your heart. And Father, I thank you that just now you're ministering to so many here, so many who are suffering from being locked up in their homes, and they are driven by this spirit of restlessness. They're like a leaf in the wind, no, not protected in you. But they're like a leaf in the wind, connected with doubts in their hearts. And Father, I ask that you would touch them now and just pray after me to say, Jesus, I declare now in the visible and the invisible realm that the rod of the oppressor is broken over my life. 
I declare now in the name of Jesus that I have my identity in you. And now in the name of Jesus I command every spirit of restlessness and of peacelessness and of being driven has to go in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I give my life over to you again. And once again, I receive your love and your presence. Here I am, Lord. And I give myself to you completely. And Holy Spirit, thank you for touching them right now for your miracles right now. Thank you, Lord, that there are some people giving their lives to you afresh. You can do that now. Tell the Lord, Lord, here I am. I lived so far away from you, but I give my life to you now. And you can do that in a childlike prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you are touching those right now, filling them with the power of the Holy Spirit who want to live in the river of the Holy Spirit once again. And thank you, Lord, that you bless those and touch those who say, Lord, I permit you afresh to lead and guide me like you want to, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.